0: from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi.
1: I love the smell of napalm in the morning.
0: I want to punch you in the face so bad right now.
1: This
2: is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Up a
0: what we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms,
2: hookworms, and whipworms, treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi.
1: I said what I said and
2: I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson.
0: You just love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Even when you're not saying anything.
2: Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Adrian! It's it's Houston Kennedy.
0: Please,
1: Houston, we have a problem.
2: And Josh Webb.
1: Coons. We're well, raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chase him off with a broom. Welcome to the On the X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm Rocky Lafleur, and I've got the two turkey experts with me today, Mr. Josh Webb, Mr. Jake Latudis. How are you guys doing today?
0: Good, I'm good, good. Buddy.
1: I'm good. How are you? Oh, we're doing good. Um, are, are, you are you in the Are you in the Delta today? No, I'm actually in, the in the Oxford. I, I have spent two days looking at land, um, trying to get my family out of the inner city of Oxford trying to find some land to, to build a a house and a barn on out in the country from Oxford. But does it wow. have turkeys on it? <laughs> it is surrounded by turkeys. I've looked at two or three uh-huh. different pieces and kind of narrowed it down. But
0: How's the weather down there? I've heard that, I mean, it's basically spring out here already in Colorado. We've had... It was 70 degrees yesterday. What's it like down there?
2: Yep. 70 70, 70. 73 yeah, I mean, as I look at it now. Yep. Yeah, 73 but, uh, the, the 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 fish are are biting uh really really well. Turkeys are gobbling some things, you know, some people are freaking out saying everything's too far ahead of schedule and you're not going to get to enjoy it. It's not that that far ahead yet, but but it is shaping up to happen quick i will say that um no it, one it, it around really here
0: is. freaks out because as soon as you do here here comes in fact we're supposed to get snow tomorrow
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um there's a little bit well that's the other thing except for one night i think the the next you know the next 10 days is lows around 50 and highs in the upper 60s low 70s so it's there you it, go it's really you know february is usually pretty cold. Um not so much this year. So so anyway, so spring activities are happening quick. Like I said, the the crappie spawn seems to be coming quicker than usual. Um but the turkeys turkeys are still bunched up from what I've seen and what I've heard. So it's not not too much to worry about yet as, you know, people are freaking out. Well, it's gonna be over with four season starts. Uh, it's not it's not <laughs> it's not that bad yet. Uh, but they are they are a lot more active than usual for this time of year. I will say that. Yeah,
1: I think turkey season is fast approaching. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. And I, you know, today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking with with Jake about different places that you can complete your slam. Uh, I think you're going to find some of the things that Jake talks about about the hybrids and the different places really interesting. Uh, we go as far today in this podcast talking, Josh tells about the interesting places that interesting faces and places that he spent some time at, at the NWTF. Um, uh, I'm not going to ruin that surprise for for you guys that are listening because it gets pretty (laughs) interesting when when we talk about the booth that Josh spends the most time at at the NWTF. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: That's a fun one. Oh, dude.
1: And... Look, we am going to follow it up but before we before we got into that. Uh, you know, talk we talk a little bit about Valentine's Day because I give you some friendly advice you know, to why we need to move Valentine's to February the fifteenth. But look, before before we jump into the podcast, I want to remind everybody that we're, that our title sponsor is Joseph Presley at Four Corner Properties. Now Joseph is the 2016 2015. 2016, 2016. Sixteen, two thousand sixteen, sixteen. Recreate, yep. <laughs> yeah, recreational real estate agent of the year. If you're looking for that piece of property, duck, deer, turkey, no matter what it is, give Joseph a call. You can reach him anytime at six zero one five four zero seven two four zero. Guys, it's good to be back with y'all this this week. I know we missed last week, Jake. You you were out of town last week. Um. Traveling around as usual in one of the most beautiful states of the United States, you were up in Wyoming, weren't you?
0: Yeah, well, actually, before that, I was at a uh, the Lake Cherokee Bassmaster Elite event in uh, near Knoxville, Tennessee. Then I flew home, and the very next day went and picked up Jess Aunt Jess De Lorenzo and her husband Mark, and we ran up to uh, the upper reaches of the North. Or the Yeah, the North Platte River and did some fly fishing uh, for native, native rainbow trout.
1: Uh, Jake, I got a crazy question for you. Now, you were gone during Valentine's. How well did that go over?
0: No, Rocky. <laughs> you need to get your information straight, buddy. I flew in <laughs> on the 13th, and I was at home on the 14th, and I picked them up very early on the 15th. <laughs> ah, he played it smart. Yep. I had that I bad boy hard. work out, and I bought, I bought chocolate at the airport on my way home. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep, he had
0: his thought out. I mean, I'm stupid, well, but I'm not dumb.
1: <laughs> you know, I told my wife last week, I was not able to be with her on Valentine's Day. But I figured something out, and I thought it would be helpful for everybody that's listening. You know, for the guys that's listening to this podcast, if you can figure out a way to be out of town on Valentine's and just tell your wife you're going to celebrate on the 15th, holy crap at the deals that you can find on Valentine's (laughs) gifts on the 15th. The morning of the 15th, huh? I'm talking Walmart is 75% (laughs) off on Valentine's stuff. So I I stocked up.
0: I'm gonna tell you right now. If I told my wife, like if I told her the guess who's gonna be at Walmart on the 15th buying all that stuff for 2018?
1: <laughs> Look, I mean, they had balloons that were originally uh, four or five dollars. You could get them for a dollar twenty-five. Man, my little girls—they thought that they were in hog heaven when Denny showed up on Valentine's. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Well, that's
2: that's good. I'm glad you you thought out Valentine's. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) I did not have that planned at all. uh, I just didn't know the deals that you could get on Valentine's stuff (laughs) the day after Valentine's. That's crazy. uh, Uh, I'm
0: telling you. You should go. You should go into my gear room downstairs in my basement. I cannot tell you how many brand new Christmas wrapping paper we have, because my wife goes to Walmart on the day after Christmas and buys all that stuff because it's half price. I mean, I'm telling you, we got enough. We could literally, we could probably supply Santa Claus with wrapping paper right now.
1: Yeah,
2: Katie does the same thing. Actually, she was excited the other day. Um, I guess it was the 15th, maybe the 16th anyway. Ran in Walgreens to get something and came back out with armloads of candy. I said, what are you doing? She said, it's all a dollar. I said, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh,
1: Okay. You got
0: to do what you Uh, got to do.
1: That's right. That's right. Josh, you you had a pretty interesting week last week. Also, um, don't switch it away from Valentine's, but you were at the NWTF. Um, what, yeah, well, what okay. you things did you see? Okay, and uh, tell us about the trip a little bit. Um,
2: well, for for everyone's entertainment, we can keep it on Valentine's for just a second, and it goes along with my trip. Did y'all get the picture that I sent you? Of the of one of the booths that was up there and products that was up there,
0: <laughs> we <Holy> did
2: crap. <laughs> was that for real? That was dead serious. They have a website. <laughs> they had models. They have a calendar. The whole deal. And wow. it was uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It was that I was. I can't remember the, what was it. What was the name of I the? It was booth? the
0: camo camo toe. Kamoto was it, <laughs> and, and look, I,
2: Katie, my wife spotted it before me, and she said, I can't believe people are going by this place. And I said, what are you talking about? And I, I thought it was a joke. I did. I thought it was a joke. And walked over there, and, the, the, and uh, anyway, that was, that was hilarious. But yeah, they were, I mean, real deal. They had lingerie and their line of whatever clothes and everything they sell there, and Had their calendars there. Were they Uh, busy? It was interesting. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I thought you were going to say
0: they had a line wrapped around. No, like
2: no, uh, no, no, they didn't. Shocky. (laughs) No, they didn't. But um, but no, the the trip was good.
1: uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've got something to tell you before we leave. That Uh, as crazy as this sounds, in. It, and I don't know if it was on Facebook or Where or Twitter, one of the one of the social networks, but I saw that now women can buy a a piece that fits up under their yoga pants that makes them look like they have one.
0: Oh, I'm oh, going to stick it with that. Vicky <laughs> needs, needs to know about that. <laughs>
2: Why? why, why, why would you want
0: I don't know, but all I know is when I sit down, sometimes I have a camo toe myself. <laughs> 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 you got to stand up, pull your pants down just to keep you from having a camo toe. <laughs> oh, man! Oh, I don't know.
2: God. I have no what idea on that one. But I just, I, mean, I just want to know, like, like who. Who had that idea and then took it to a manufacturer and was like, "Look, now take me serious," and I got I got to show you this, okay? And then the manufacturer took it seriously enough to make one. <laughs> who who, did, who does
1: that? I, I will tell you oh, that. where
0: where is that company from? That has got to be from Mississippi.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Or South um, Arkansas um, one. <laughs> mm. <laughs> No offense to anybody out there listening from South Arkansas or Mississippi. <laughs> no, I,
1: they just had But I will say this: I will say this. There, there is a there are a lot of people that accept friend requests from fake accounts because I get friend requests all the time of these gorgeous women in the profile pictures. Oh yeah. That you know, you know the one showing the big boobs off. You know, the the, the camera pointing down, and mm-hmm. I look down to see who's mutual friends, and it's a a ton of hunters that I know. So
0: mm-hmm. I guess
1: hunters of today are kind of like the the car people and auto people used to be of the old days. When you walked up in the auto shop, all of them had the the bikini clad calendars hanging mm-hmm. up in the auto shops. But, but I guess. I guess hunters are really, not that they're not attracted to women, but are are attracted to the sensual things, kind of like the old days of the auto.
0: Mm-hmm. The tools, the I tool count. You know, That's probably how the whole camo toe thing got developed, because somebody out there said, man, have you seen all these women on Facebook? I think we need to start a new women's line called camo toe and just sell it, because all these women are going to come buy it. <laughs> um, well,
2: it would it, it would help tremendously if they at least had attractive models. I'm le- I've, I've, I'm leaving it there. Anyway, the trip was fine. Other than that, and I and talking about what you're talking about, Rocky. Yes, usually those kind of uh, those those kind of big conventions. There's usually um, women running around in skimpy clothing everywhere uh, to the point where it's obnoxious. Um, usually. I will say this year it was not that way so much in Nashville there was still some booths that had that that had women in in shorts that weren't really shorts and shirts that weren't really shirts selling stuff but nothing like it has in the past and I don't know if there's been a, so much backlash where people aren't doing that anymore um or what but I you know and I say that and then again somebody you know was brave enough to have a booth Called Kamoto, so whatever I don't <laughs> I don't know um that's other than that, funny. other than that the, <laughs> the convention was great um I uh, saw a lot of people um the Bomars were there, uh hanging out, walking around um matter of fact, I walked by them two or three times before I really realized who it was um that's and um anyway they they were there hanging out, a lot of people were um, and that's another thing that I've seen kind of happen. I don't go to a lot of them, not as many as Jake, but but I do. I always go to the NWTF and and some others. And one thing I've noticed in the last few years, and really and truly, I I, I have it as a in my mind as a direct correlation with social media, um, as far as tearing down the 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 quote unquote celebrity wall. I see a lot more interaction between the people who are on TV. And the general public versus, you know, years ago, you know, every booth if it had somebody that was on TV in it, you know, there was a line there waiting to get an autograph or a picture or whatever. And you still see that with some, but you don't see it as much. And I think it's just because those people have integrated what they do into social media, and 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 you know, from the other way around too. Social media keeps you in touch with them so much, you just kind of you kind of feel like you know them. And so it was. It's kind of refreshing to see so many people. Um, I mean, they're just they just walk around hanging out. I mean, sure, if you want their autograph or picture, you know, they'll they'll stop and do that. But they're just, you know, they just leaned up on the edge of a booth that's not even there. It's just talking to, to who you know, somebody who wants to talk about hunting or fishing or whatever it may be. And that was cool. And one that really, really, uh, that I really noticed this year uh, was the juries. I mean, Mark and Terry, they were they were everywhere um, just, I mean, literally just, just hanging out. Um, they weren't behind a booth. They weren't, you know, anything like that. And, um, which I've always had a lot of respect for those guys, but it, but it's really cool to see that, um, you know, and not, uh, you know, not, not so much the, not that they're not celebrities, but it was really cool to see just, I mean, just anybody just walk up, say, Hey, talk. And, you know, just like you've known them for a long time. And, and I think it's a really cool dynamic to, Growing the brand, but but also just kind of you know getting to know the people who are who are following you, who are following your, your you know and buying your product. hmm
0: Yeah, I think social media has definitely um, the, the brought people closer in terms of just you know social media is about building your profile and putting your you know you putting your life out on out on facebook or instagram so that everyone can see it and i think you know you kind of do get to know people that way and you know there's an interesting theory in business too where uh, i think the old saying goes if you want to have it's a new saying now with instagram and followers and facebook and all that but if you want a million followers you have to go shake a million hands And i think there's some correlation there um, you know, with what people are doing now marketing-wise and branding-wise, um, they they do make a point to get out and meet all these people because if you talk to them on social media and you don't talk to them at a trade show, what does that, you know, what does that say about a person?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that I noted that – hang on just a second, Rocky. What, one thing that I picked up on pretty quick and then after I picked up on it, Katie and I kind of talked about it and – we kind of paid attention to it the rest of the time we were there. Um, we all know we had a long conversation a few months back with about the Under Armour thing, um, about mm-hmm. when they, you know, dropped the Beaumars and all sort of stuff. Okay, I, you know, and I, and I thought back on the weekend. Um, of course, I paid attention while I was there. I thought back on it, and I can still come up with less. I mean, th- there was less than a handful of anything or anybody at the entire convention representing Under Armour. Um mm-hmm. and that that's that, really that interesting. Stuck, it, it it stuck out to me. Um I know Under Armour has said publicly, you know, said publicly that that since all of that the backlash has hurt their sales. Um but it really um I it really really stood out to me. You know, I don't know if it if it did anybody else, but, but you know, I just I noticed that Kind of right off the bat, and so right. I, I don't know. I don't. That that was kind of a big deal but to me, anyway. You know, but it, it was just interesting. It was just interesting to see that nobody was really supporting it. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I I remember when when those walls were still there before social media, and I always think back to one of the most interesting video makers that from years ago that would have a line, talking about a line to to get autographs or shake their hand, but I can remember the old days in the mid-90s when TK and Mike were really popular. Mm -hmm. And the line would be, it would take half a day to get in that line to get up there to shake TK and Mike's hand. This is 92, Mm -hmm. somewhere 93, somewhere in that era. And, God. I you know, and I guess that it kinda goes back to what you said, Jake, there was a wall there in, in what you said, Josh, before social media you didn't that was the only time that you saw those people was in a video that you bought. So it was yeah, you that's know right. it was kinda, it was kinda right. like seeing uh Sylvester Stallone Rocky, oh man, wow. No, I'm not saying yeah. that because of, I'm
2: just well,
0: saying
2: and the thing too is you know like I was saying, you know, these these conventions, these these big um, organizations have these conventions so often and frequent now, and they've gotten so big. I mean, just this last weekend, there was upwards of 70,000 people coming to Nashville for the NWTF convention. I mean, that's that's insane what it can do for a brand, but, again, that many people are getting to see them, you know, the people they sit on TV and watch, on social media and keep up with. So it's it's really neat to see, to see the, the engagement now, because I remember exactly like you're talking about, um, you know, Rocky. You know, ten, fifteen years ago, if you ran into Toxie Hayes or Will Primos or something like that somewhere, yeah, there was a line. I mean, out the door. I mean, it was that way for, and it was that way because I was a kid just in line to see T.K.M. <laughs> One year at Memphis mm-hmm. at the D.U. festival. I mean, it was, and and that's that's how it was. Um, so I don't. It, it's just really cool to see that to see that changing with with the times.
1: Well, Jake, look, before we go on to turkeys, I've got to ask you about your trip to Wyoming. What what were, what was the temperatures like while you were up in Wyoming?
0: Man, it was unusually warm like it is now. And to be honest with you, when Jess and I started talking about this trip and putting it together, we were developing this project idea, film project and photo project idea that we were going to go on a really cool fly fishing trip and her husband loves to, to fly fish so you know naturally we integrated him into the project and we what we were hoping for was this wintry snowy blizzard fly fishing scene which you don't see very often and we were just kind of you know take it a different direction and we get up there and it's 65 degrees and sunny and there's absolutely no snow on the ground at all <laughs>
1: wow i mean how how are the fish biting because this is all um, this is all native species of of the river right I mean it's not turned
0: it's not they're native are yeah, naturally fish. reproduced recruited fish um that are native to the area they're not stocked they're beautiful they're they have long hooked jaws their their spawning colors were starting to come in, lots of the females were gravid with with uh, with roe fish eggs and the fish were biting i mean we have i have some friends that guide up there so they were generous enough to uh you know to to provide us with drift boats and they knew the lines to float in some of the deeper holes and i think jess i filmed and photographed the whole thing and i never even wet a line but i would say that jess and mark caught 22 to 25 trout over 18 inches and of those 22 to 25 i would say 10 to 12 of them were over 20 21 inches the biggest one i think the biggest one mark ended up catching the very last fish that that was caught at the end of our trip was 22 and a half inches long and i mean you can go to any of our instagram pages and see the fish there was just a a, you know it was a world-class trip is what it was we got lucky
1: now, trout is a they they are a very unusual species, not like normal fish, because mm-hmm. the water that they stay in it pretty much stays cold the whole time. Because it no matter if you go up there in May, June, or July, the the, the water that's feeding the most of the rivers in that area is snowmelt. Correct?
0: Mm-hmm. Snowmelt out of Deep Lake, and the draw the water is drawn out of the bottom of the lake. And the water in that river stays forty. Uh, I'm sorry. I think yeah, I believe it's forty-seven degrees year-round. Um, wow. It never gets colder than forty-seven degrees. So, yeah, I mean it's a it's a you know it's a world-class fishery. Um, everyone kind of knows the Miracle Mile. It's not easy to get to. It's a, it's very isolated. We had no cell service pretty much the whole time. There's one set of cabins you can rent to stay in. Otherwise, you have to camp. It's not a total backcountry but isolated. And the people that you see there, there are quite a few fishermen that travel there to, you know, to to pursue the, those trout. Um, everyone's there for the same reason. Everyone's very respectful towards each other. There's bank fishermen that are casting fly rods. Um, there's very little bait dunking going on there. Pretty much everyone there. You know, you drive out in the middle of Wyoming, you see all these ranch trucks and cattle ranches, and it's just loaded with pronghorn. And there's, I've never seen. I mean, we saw herds of mule deer in excess of 30 to 40 individuals in a herd, and they're all over the place. It's this really western. It's got this really western feel to it, and then. You know you show up on the river and you feel like you're jumping out of a Patagonia catalog or a you know uh uh some sort of fly you know an Orvis catalog. everyone there's decked out and in you know fly fishing attire they've all got racked on their hoods they have fly fishing rod cases and holders and it's a it's a it's a culture within a culture. And you think the two cultures would clash, but they get along very well. It's pretty cool. <clears throat>
1: I, I look forward to going back out there sometime in the next couple of years because I'll have to tell you about my fishing expedition on another podcast, trout fishing the Bighorn, because this this mm. it's a good story. But look, let's talk a little turkey for a few minutes um, because. We are leaving duck season. It wasn't much of a snow goose season from talking to people because the winter was so warm here and we were actually going to have a couple of snow goose people on the podcast, but I'm going to tell you, I think that the major push snow geese had already pushed far north by the time that duck season was over with. So there weren't, you know, wasn't a lot of snow goose hunting going on after the fact. So... And I know the people that follow this podcast, a lot of them turkey hunt. And I know you two guys know a lot about turkey hunting. And outside of duck hunting, it is my favorite thing to do. There's nothing in this world. If crack cocaine is more addictive than turkey hunting, do not ever give me any crack cocaine.
2: What What would be the shoveler equivalent of a turkey for you, Rocky? Just throwing it out there while we're on it? <laughs> See Jake, this to... what happens when you bring up the word shoveler in front of Rocky. His heart races and his mind goes a thousand directions. He doesn't. He doesn't know what to
0: do. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, the so, shoveler okay, equivalent. Of <laughs> so
1: you really, you really want to hear my turkey equivalent to the shoveler in duck hunting? What will make me go off? Freaking turkey poachers, man! I have never seen in my life a sport where people think that there are no boundaries. Man, I look I that, go on people's land and they give me acts. My brother is an entomologist. He checks about sixteen or seventeen thousand acres and all of his farmers say, Look, you you got free range of my land. Man, I'll I will be walking through some of this land and out in front of me it's almost like jumping deer. It's it's poachers. They take <laughs> off running. <laughs> Right in that's front like of you. I like that yards. analogy. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> they, like, just jump out on the road and then take off running right in front of you. And
0: I just That's so, mind-boggling.
1: So turkey it, poachers would be the equivalent of shovelers to me if you want me to go <laughs> off on a rant, <laughs> No, I mean, I just... But, but that is an
2: interesting topic and um, comment. Um, I mean, and you're right. Poachers are horrible. When it comes to turkey hunting, it's just like uh, between that and and baiting turkeys uh, and sitting there over milo or corn and waiting on turkey to get there and kill it and then brag for two weeks about it. I mean that that stuff drives me nuts. But that's not the that's not the turkey conversation we're we're having today.
0: I was going to say I, that. Having grown up in the South, I remember those days, and then, when I moved out west years ago, you know there really weren't that many turkeys out here when I moved out I mean there were some don't get me wrong in Kansas and nebraska you know twenty five twenty six years ago when I moved out here, but holy moly, have they exploded over the past ten to fifteen years, and now there's so many turkeys out here that I mean, you don't even pay attention to them. You just drive by them. You don't get fired up like, oh, my God, look at that gobbler!" you just drive by them because they're everywhere. And uh, one of the places that we hunt quite a bit, up on Hidden Hills Outfitters in Broken Bow, Nebraska, they had a field last winter that had 1,200 birds in it. You call me a liar. You can kick me in the teeth. You can do whatever you want. But I'm telling you, there's 1,200 turkeys in this field. I didn't see 1,200, but I have seen fields that have 300 to 600 turkeys in one field, and they all roost in the same river bottom. It's it's the craziest thing you've ever seen.
1: Man, you put 1,200 turkeys in a field in Mississippi, it'd make the news, and people would would be like vultures. What would make the people shooting people are trying to kill?
0: What's that? I think we lost him again?
1: Yeah, I think we lost Josh again for a second. He'll be back on in a minute. But twelve hundred now. It, are most of those Miriams or are that Rios?
0: They're they're hybrids. Most of the turkeys I, and and that's something we should talk about because I get I get people fired up when I start talking about it. Man, you know, people travel around the. Let, let's just save this conversation until Josh gets back because I think it's important.
1: But but before he gets back, the the. The turkeys that are in Colorado, are they is that is that mostly Miriam?
0: The turkeys out on the eastern plains, like on the South Platte River and the Arkansas River, those are transplanted hybrids. Um, that some of them are are Rio Eastern hybrids, and some of them are Rio Miriam hybrids. Okay. Now, when you get up into central Nebraska, you you're dealing mostly with Miriam, Rio hybrids, and here's the problem. Are are you back on, Josh?
1: No, he's not on here yet.
0: So the problem that exists, at least within the, you know, from a purist's perspective on turkey hunting, is that let's just say a guy decides he's going to go kill a a grand flam. Okay, goes to Florida, he shoots his Osceola. He goes to Missouri, he shoots his eastern, and then he comes to Nebraska or north-central Kansas and he shoots a Rio and a Miriam out of the same flock. Well, what you just really did was you just killed two birds that look like a Rio and a Miriam, but both of them have sprinkled DNA from the one or the other or both subspecies, so you really just killed two hybrids that are Either Miriam dominant and or Rio dominant, so you didn't really go kill the Grand Slam. What you'd have to do is go to Texas or Oklahoma to kill your Rio, and then go all the way up into Pine, either go up into the Front Range of Colorado, which is where the purest strain of Miriams exists, as far as I know, and the research I did several years ago, um, um, the, the the pure the truly pure strains of Miriam turkeys exist literally right out my back door in the front range of Colorado, and that's where they took years ago the NWTF were transplanting these birds up into the Pine Ridge of South Dakota and uh Nebraska and uh in the Pine Ridge area around Devil's Tower in Wyoming and even up into the um what is it called prairie a prairie fire uh the, the northern new mexico they were getting all these birds out of out of colorado and transplanting them into those areas so those areas do have pure strains of merriam's and even up into montana and idaho that's where you need to go to truly experience a merriam hunt so it makes a you know, river bottom in central Nebraska, on the Platte River, you kill a turkey with white feathers is not a true Miriam; it's a hybrid. And you don't really, you know, if you're going to go fish for, if you're going to go, you know, if you're going to go experience something for the experience, the true pure and the true purest sense, then you know why don't you go up into the Ponderosa Pine um, elevation, which is where the Miriam thrives. And go hunt them in that environment because it is lit, it is so beautiful and it it's such a cool experience that if you're going to do it, go do it right. That that's just my opinion, and and you know I don't argue with people about it. It just gets people fired up, um, but you know.
1: <laughs> oh no! I knew that there were a lot of crosses, Rio and Miriam crosses in Nebraska, and it you it's, is it is it. Is it possible to kill a miriam in the very, very northwest corner of Nebraska? That would be all miriam.
0: Oh yeah, up in Pine Ridge, I used to hunt up there all the time. Uh, the Pine Ridge, you know, that whole black, the black forest of South Dakota, really starts down in Pine Ridge in um, in in Nebraska, northwest Nebraska, and it, you know, it covers all of. Uh, eastern Wyoming or northeastern Wyoming, up around Devil's Tower, all over the Mount Rushmore area of South Dakota, and I mean to go hunt to go hunt Mir- the Miriams are small. They, they're probably the smallest turkeys uh, in the country. I mean, you might kill an adult gobbler in the mountains in the black in the Black Hills, uh, South Dakota, or even the Front Range of Colorado, full-grown, three-year-old or four-year-old gobbler that might weigh. Eighteen pounds or seventeen pounds, full-grown with half-inch spurs and a seven-and-a-half-inch beard. Just because they live in this rugged country, and um, you know, they just they just don't have access to agriculture. They live off of native forage like bugs and natural seeds and whatever and and whatever they can find. You know, it's not like they're out feeding. in, in – I mean, some of them do, but most of them are out feeding in cornfields like they do down down south. In the midwest talking
2: you know, about the hybrids jake i've heard that that there's been multiple discussions about whether or not to somehow make it a distinct separate um you know to set it apart completely to where it would be a part of the slam
0: then you you'd have that? to kill then you'd have to kill You'd have to kill six. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. You'd have to kill six different, six different subspecies of bird. I haven't heard that, but it's actually not a bad idea, because yeah, I've heard. I mean, Marium, it's because there's
2: so many of them, you know, people exactly. uh, people talk about. It. I mean, I, learned, I know several groups of guys from from this part of the world that go out there every year, and um, you know, they don't. They don't care whether it looks like a Marion looks like Rio doesn't matter. They're out there a turkey hunt. But uh, that's where I, I heard that was the guys that they go with uh, have have said that that at some point you know it's been talked about at some point that it would be a separate you know bird. However, they would I don't know how they would scientifically separate it. You might know. I mean, you know, to say I mean,
0: well, it'd be unless it, unless
2: it in, unless it came. That's what I was going to say. Unless it if that turkey came from that region, then it is the you know hybrid you know uh and and it would be part of the part of the slam um, but i have heard that i've heard it a couple of different times
0: it wouldn't surprise me too josh if just like the black duck and mallard uh dna you know they say that that's 100% cross now but there's no black ducks that exist that have just pure black duck dna They're, every single one of them have mallard dna in them and so it wouldn't surprise me you know, perhaps the Osceolas down in Florida are isolated well enough that they may they may not, you know, cross over. But at some point, no, they you know, have. I mean, they
2: have. Oh, some, they have I, I, I've yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely heard that too. Um, yeah, so de- then, definitely.
0: So then, wherever that northern line is, just north of Orlando, you know maybe the 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 Easterns have blown up so much that they're crossing over into Osceola territory and they're crossing so now you've got this big you know genetic mix of of subspecies of turkeys, and I don't really think you can stop it now i mean it's i mean you know when you when you look at the Missouri River or even the Mississippi River, you know you talk about let's talk about the Missouri you know you've got birds in Kansas and Eastern Nebraska. That border the Missouri River that fly across all the time. I mean, they may roost across the river and fly down to the other side, and so you know you've got all this going on. And and perhaps ten or fifteen or twenty or thirty years from now, you know they might all be hybrids. <laughs> Who knows?
1: I think that's a good topic to talk to, to to finish up with today, though. Is if if you are a purist and with both of you guys on here where are we going to complete the slam what what state could we
0: south florida
1: for Osceola.
0: yep and then which, anywhere which is missouri, obvious yep that's obvious missouri, iowa, kentucky, tennessee, mississippi, alabama that's your you know that's your core eastern states right there and then you know you have really drive through Kansas and parts of northern Oklahoma and Nebraska to get to, let's say you have to drive through parts of Oklahoma to get to, let's just say Texas. I mean, if you're trying to be a purist about it, go to Texas, kill your Rio. And then you'd have to go all the way up into the Black Hills or the Front Range or the Rocky Mountains to kill a true a true Miriam. You can kill them Angel Fire. That's what I was thinking of. Angel Fire, New Mexico. That's the Ponderosa elevation is like seven thousand to eight thousand feet. That's where the Merriam turkeys thrive the most.
2: Well, I've seen pictures and videos of Merriams right out your door that you have sent me before, Jake, and that's that's mm-hmm. where I choose to go specifically, Rocky, if you want to know. Because that is some beautiful, beautiful country and on top of that on a turkey in it. And it that's that was beautiful. Um so that that's <laughs> That's where I would go, excuse me. But you know, and it's like we were talking. Uh, you know, I I agree with that. I would go down there with several of the the podcast listeners to South Florida, Rocky. <laughs> um yep. for sure. Uh I, I would de and especially because they open up in what less than two weeks
1: now. So I would definitely mm-hmm. go down there. <laughs> uh definitely get down there. But to complete the slam you gotta kill a ghoul, right? A ghoul? a ghoul?
0: Yeah, I mean, you go to Mexico, you can actually kill those goulds in Arizona. They have true goulds there, uh, you know, in that Tucson and I forget, you know, the other regions. But you can do it in Arizona, but to kill a you know a true goulds, which is ironic because we're talking about how small the Miriams were or are. The goulds turkeys are probably the biggest turkeys in the country, and they look just like they look like a giant. Miriam, they have pure white tail feathers pure white feather tips, and they're i mean it's literally you know you hear people talking about killing thirty pound turkeys well, you know most of that's baloney because ninety nine percent of the turkeys killed out there don't even get close to thirty pounds, but you can go to Mexico, old Mexico, and hunt uh goulds and kill legitimately kill a thirty pound goulds turkey
2: that would be that would be something there that'd be pretty cool. Um, and I have always heard that about them, about them being so big. I mean, you know, we get, you know, a, a monster, you know, big turkey here. I've killed the biggest one I've ever killed. I've killed two that were 23 and a half pounds. And that was a, that was a monster. It looked like an ostrich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, walking up here. But, but I would like to see one in that, you know, 27, 28, 29 pound range. I mean, I would. That would be, that would be pretty
0: cool. Now, I've killed several. And eastern kansas along the missouri river and in iowa i went up hunting with jay gregory a couple years ago and we killed two over 27 pounds there and i've killed two in eastern kansas up in the northeast corner of kansas right on the missouri river that weighed 27 pounds what
1: what makes the goal what is the distinct distinctions of it what what makes it so different from from other turkeys
0: nothing i mean they're just big they're, they're giant miriams they're beautiful i've seen them i mean i went down there two years ago to uh to uh, a place called actually called San. i'm not saying it right but it's san francisco um mexico it's dead center old mexico and we're like we're all the cartel the rumors about the cartel and i'm like you don't go down there because the cartel controls that area we went down there to talk to an outfitter because he wanted uh he wanted publicity um and he wanted to stimulate his coo's deer and his gould's turkey um opportunities so we actually flew down there went to his ranch and saw these turkeys and I'm telling you the the things pretty historic. they look like freaking ostriches running around and there's a there's lots of them there's they're they're you know there's abundant as I wouldn't say rios are, but they're as abundant as you know the Merriams are up here and up in up in northeast northwest Nebraska.
1: So do they have they have these big long legs, kind of like a Osceola? Because you know an Osceola, they're, they look when they're standing yeah. out in the field, they, they're they're six inches taller than a than an eastern. It, just looking yeah, at yeah these them, I'm
0: yeah the ghouls look they look round they look bigger bodied. So, I don't know how long their legs are compared to an osceola, but but they they don't look like that they don't look like they're walking around on stilts like a like a an osceola does. They just look big and round they look like giant beach balls is what they look like
1: <laughs> you know coming into the day and we'll get into it in the next podcast, but we were going to talk about some of the the census of turkeys and having Jake on here as a wildlife biologist, I'm sure he could delve deep into it, Josh with all the experience that he has in the woods with them. So we'll have to cover that next time. Um, It's been a great podcast because I I thought this was all pretty interesting, giving people information because I know a lot of people are probably trying to book a hunt now to get to these places to complete a slam. I thought you guys gave some great information pertaining to that.
0: Can we talk about, can I just mention a couple outfitters that are really good outfitters that I've worked with that do offer um, some really great hunts for people that want to travel out west to kill a, either hybrids or, or uh, Miriam's turkeys? Heck yeah, man. Go ahead. Well, there's there's a uh, an outfitting service uh, out of Baird or Broadwater Nebraska uh by the name of Prairie Rock Outfitters and they have they have a ton of turkeys they've got they do have uh properties up in the north northern uh northwestern sections of Nebraska where you can go kill the true Merriams where they have you know ranching and farmland uh down lower towards the Platte river the north Platte River for for uh for hybrids, and they got lots of them. I mean, it's not unusual to see two or three hundred birds in one roost. And then you've got Hidden Hills Outfitters, which is in Broken Bow, Nebraska. Um, they're pretty much a hundred percent hybrids. But you know, those are the people that I was speaking of that have, you know, three hundred, five hundred, six hundred, twelve hundred turkeys in a flock. And it's just, I mean, it's it it'll blow your mind. <laughs> uh-
1: Josh, have you ever been out you you been you said you had been to Kansas
2: before? No, no I haven't. I've been to South Dakota but not turkey hunting. I've been out there hunting but not turkey hunting. Um no, and that's something that Katie and I've got to uh got to start is is start getting our our slam uh especially, you know, and one reason that that I really want to do it I guess selfishly. we you know, try to at least in the next next five, six years is because of so much hybridization. Because I'm afraid at some point you're gonna have to go to like this county to kill a Mary. <laughs> you know, this this it's gonna be so right. specific that it's gonna be hard to do. Um mm-hmm. so that yeah, you know, that that's one reason that that I you know, want to uh want to get on as as quick as possible. But no, I never have been out there turkey hunting Rocky. Right? Um I never, and, Jake, you were talking about going down to, to uh, Mexico. I, I do have one funny story. A guy that I know goes to Texas every year. They go to South Texas every year. And he's been going for, I don't know, seven, eight years that I know for sure. And anyway, he just, after a trip year before last, came back and said, I'm never going back again, never going back again. And I said, why? I mean, he's been going to the same place. He said, "I just I've had enough with them. He kept saying them. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, "I've had enough with the illegals." He said, "I can't freaking turkey hunt from running around in the bushes." And he said, and then, and then the the border patrol, you know, they because when they see them, you have to report them, you know. And he said, he said, "So I'm out there." He said, "I'm being the just don't even want to call the law because I want to kill a turkey. I don't care what this Mexicans doing running around." But the reason that he quit going is because, and he hasn't been back since, is because. He was out there turkey hunting, this was the year before last, and was out there going, I, I don't remember if it was before daylight, during the day, whatever, anyway. And, of course, they have on those big ranches the the cattle troughs, and there was actually a dead illegal laying right beside one of them. The guy just dehydrated and died. Wow. And he said he had had enough. He, he, said, he said just about every year they would at least see some, whether they were crossing the highway or running through the. Mesquite brush around them while they were trying to hunt, or or in this case, they found a guy. he had been dead for a while. They said, "Um, just way out there." So anyway, that was just kind of a, a funny,
1: not really funny, but interesting story.
0: Never know what you're about, going about, into about hunting down there, about yeah, Texas.
1: No. <laughs> Josh, I will have to say that that wasn't the politically. They are no longer illegal immigrants. They're just immigrants now.
2: Well, uh, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think before we jump off into the yeah, no,
2: no. Hashtag not my immigrant.
1: I don't know what you talking about?
2: <laughs>
1: well, guys, I'm gonna let you finish it up. Jake, tell us in your final thoughts where you're headed next week. Because you were telling me pre-show um, you're heading out
0: down to Florida. I'm heading to Key West. We got a. Uh... Mission show to film it's going to be a nine-day trip and uh it's a lot of it's it's not what people think it is i'm going to key west but i'll hardly see key west and i hardly even uh see much more than my hotel but heck you know it's a dirty job somebody's got to do it
1: <laughs> all right josh leave us leave us with a a, a great final thought here well, I'm not going to Key West, so
2: uh, I, I guess um, I don't know what my final thought is. I wish I could be in South Florida next week because turkey season opens down there. So anybody that's listening to this, I would appreciate you give us an update of how things are going. Um, but as, as far as everything around here, turkeys are goblins. Some they are, but it's nothing to freak out about. They're not. They're not ahead of of normal for this time of year
0: and
2: i really don't have a lot rocky i don't I don't have a lot i'm not hey, I'm not too full of information today
0: next week when we talk about turkeys again let's start off right off the bat talking about turkeys because y'all got my y'all got me wanting to talk about turkeys now man
1: it is nothing better than a mm, i could sit around and talk about you know I consider, I'll i say this. I could sit around and talk about ducks. This, I'll leave this as my final thought. I could sit around and talk about ducks all day, but I could sit around and listen about turkeys all day. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, hanging out with, especially with two expert turkey guys like y'all, man, I could sit around and listen to the knowledge pour out of y'all and the wisdom from tough hunts. Just, just sitting
0: From mistakes. Just,
1: Yeah, because that's the only way wisdom's gained. Uh, That's But, all right, guys, we're going to have to go for for Josh and Jake. We appreciate you joining us for this edition of the On the X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com.